This is the Stages of She podcast, all about women, the lives we lead, the things we care about, the ways we grow, change, relate, and everything in between. All from the perspective of your three hosts, Christina Godfrey, Liz Thomas, and Sarah Strasbaugh. We're each living different lives in three different generations, finding similarities along the way as we connect and support the women we love. Welcome back to Stages of She. We're thrilled to be here for actually one of our last episodes of this season. We're getting close to the end, which is crazy. And it's been a really fun, wild ride this season. We've gone all over the place with our topics. And this week does not disappoint, but I don't want to steal any thunder. So this is a really close friend of Christina's. We are interviewing today. And Christina, I'm going to let you introduce her. Great. Well, I'm very excited to have this guest on. Um, In this episode, we are very honored to host a seasoned therapist, often referred to as therapist who works with royalty and rock stars and everyone in between. Wow. Um, With a rich background in mental and emotional health, she's unveiling a new chapter and extending her expertise to physical wellness. Her unique approach, including treatments like hypnosis and EMDR, has garnered a reputation for swift and impactful results. She's even worked on me, and we're going to have fun talking about that. So, Deb, welcome to our podcast. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's lovely to see you. Hi, Deb. I know. I know. We have so many fun things to talk about and teach everybody. We've already heard so much about you from Christina working with you. I'm excited to hear what you did with her. Well, I'll start off by saying I met Deb at a, it was more of a social, like girls, I don't know, happy hour networking thing. And we happened to be sitting next to each other and realized that we are born on the same day. April 16th. And so that gave us a lot to chat about. And we just kind of hit it off right away. And then I found out what she did for a living. And that was fascinating to me. And immediately I started dumping all my, you know, problems on her. (laughs) (laughs) So we chatted a lot about that all night. And then I was able to actually work with her one-on-one doing what was it exactly that we did because I can never remember all I know is that it worked but what was it called (laughs) Uh, when you called me and asked me to work with you you were having panic um episodes regarding earthquakes right and your family and Mm -hmm. it wasn't what you would normally think normally you would think that would It was regarding when your family are not around in the house, if that happens, versus if they are around in the house. And most people, as a rule, you would think would be more fearful of that happening if your loved ones and your, um, you know, your family are not in the same house as you because you're wondering what's going on in their place. With Christina, it was the opposite. It was the uh, earthquake fear when they were in the house, not when they were necessarily away from the house. Well, I think part of that was too, because I'm not, I was afraid of earthquakes in the, in the nighttime, not in the daytime. So 
was it? Everybody was home in the night. And I had been through the Northridge earthquake and some other things had happened to me that were not related to an earthquake in the middle of the night. But so for some reason, nighttime earthquakes were a huge trigger for me. And I'm not exaggerating to say that probably for, I mean, maybe five or 10, I mean, it could have been 10 years that every single night before I'd go to bed, I would think, oh my God, I would almost live through like an eight point earthquake. I was so terrified. I was terrified to go to bed. I would keep my shoes by the bed. I would think in my mind exactly what I would do if it happened. I would think in my mind, how can how can everybody not be so freaked out about earthquakes before they go to sleep? I mean, it was just, it was ruining my life. I mean, my husband was like ready to toss me out the window. And <laughs> Were you a new so I was desperate. at the time? Oh yeah, I had kids. I had kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah you had the, the boys, didn't you? Um, I think the youngest one wasn't even, or was maybe just on the radar at that point. Yeah, I think I, yeah. Back then. Um, So I didn't know the full extent of where the trauma had come from, because that's a trauma response. That's absolutely a trauma response. And I didn't know the full extent of the background of it. And that really wasn't that important. With some kinds of therapy, people want to go right back to the core of things. with Christina, it was about let's get some relief because this is not okay. This poor woman every night being traumatized at the thought of going to, to bed. Um, and now, of course, it makes even more sense. Um, and unlike a lot of therapists that just do one model, you know, they're psychotherapists or they're humanistic therapists or what, or they do CBD or uh, CBD, CBT, um, I uh, use a, what's called an integrating model. And so I've been doing this now for 23 years, 24 years. And I, actually 26 years. Um, And so I've realized that one modality does not fit all. And there are some that I don't particularly use. I'm not the biggest psychodynamic therapist who drags everything back to, you know, the day you were born and you see them for a hundred years. I work much more in getting people a quick result. We we get started, we get finished. My husband always jokes that I fix people too quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's not. But it, I'd never actually fix people; they fix themselves. But you know, that, that's the that's the joke. Um, mm-hmm. So I wanted to look at what was going to get the quickest result for Christina and different people as in business people, people that are overthinkers, think people that are high achievers in life are different in how they need to be guided than, you know, an 18-year-old that hasn't been out in the world yet. Um, I particularly seem to do better for business people Um, I work with a lot of people in the media and the entertainment industry. I'm not the best person for a kid who's been obnoxious at 14 um, and doesn't want to do anything. I've got friends in the industry who are way better with that. I frighten the bejesus out of them. So, (laughs) yeah, that's fine. Um, I find a lot of therapists that, much to my surprise, are intimidated by... Um, high-end business people and celebrities 
Hmm. Uh, and people who are great at their job, I've got a dear friend who's really good at what she does, but she freezes the minute she's in front of anybody super high profile. Hmm. So, but she's great with the obnoxious 14 year old who's, you know, ruining the household. Um, so you have to have your own insight. You have to have done your own work and know what works. And I love the kind of therapy I do. There's a lot of CBD. It's very humanistic. Um, I always try and put myself in the person's shoes. Um, and then I also use some of these new techniques that are not exactly what's called a therapy modality. So EMDR is, a, is an example that a lot of people have heard about now. Um, hypnosis is great. Um, I do a lot of guided imagery, which surprisingly brings up things in the subconscious that you'd forgotten or weren't. Um, say, for example, you hadn't remembered why you were so afraid of earthquakes. We would have done some guided imagery and we would come back and it would have come back to you. Hmm. What had happened? Because some people with the trauma, it blanks, it blanks out the episode. Um, I feel like we did something where I, I can't describe it, but I was looking at a wall and whoops, yeah, what is it? This one, which I love, and it's not very well known, um, and it's my kind of secret weapon up my sleeve uh, for things like this, and it's called hemispheric brain integration. Yes, okay. It's phenomenal for anybody with anxiety, PTSD, phobias, um, and things like Christina had, where what has basically happened, we have two lobes in the brain. You know, so we're basically working with three lobes. There's the, the right side, you know, we hear somebody who's left brained. Um, so there's the right side, the left side, and then this uh, frontal, prefrontal cortex here, which is what makes us all the same. Often, what happens, there are, I'm fascinated with the brain. That's much in part why I came to work in Southern California in the beginning. I'm in Vegas now, but. Uh, I was headed to Vegas. Uh, I was headed to SoCal because of some of the great work being done by uh, Dr. Eamon. Uh, oh, yeah. Eamon uh, I'm, very um, I'm all about the brain. Yeah. And and it's funny, a lot of people are now kind of going on that. Mm. Um, I've been there for 24 years. But um, so basically what happens is the brain is meant to take in information on one side and then take it in on the app. So the left side, which is the facts and figures and data, all of them kind of things, what we call the right lobe is the side that has the imagination and the um, the spatial awareness. And basically where more of your anxiety tends to hang is there versus the left side is a bit more of the black and white facts, figures, data. That's a, So what's meant to happen is we have an experience they, we take it in through our eyes, ears, and uh, physically, the feeling of it, emotionally. And it's meant to go through into one lobe, into the other lobe. Then it's meant to crisscross across this corpus callosum down the middle, crosses across, and then it comes into our prefrontal cortex. And we're meant to make sense of the whole, it's seen the whole picture. When anxiety or trauma or phobia has been... Uh, piece of it what happens is usually the right side not always but usually the right side which isn't always on the right side so mm. that's a fantastic little test I have to do to make sure that what I think is your 
left lobe really is your left lobe. Oh. 94% of people, it is actually their left brain is where we think it will be, their left lobe. The other 6% is on the other side. Huh. Surprisingly high number of my clients, it's on the other side. Oh. Um, and to find out how that works is the most simple and fabulous little thing I'll show you one time. But yeah. long story short, what happens with a, a trauma, something that's overly emotionally impacted, is it gets stuck primarily in the right side. And instead of the two lobes, I'm panicking, instead of the two lobes taking the information in equally, the right side has taken it in and panicked. And so what it does is it kind of jumps ahead of the left side. And he goes, mm. oh, no, it's all about me. It's all about me. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm thinking. And the left side doesn't get to come in and equally give all the black and white, the data, you know, realistically, what's the chances of that ever happening again? You know, all the facts and figures that we need to soothe and make a more conscious decision about reality of this fear. You know, it's not going to happen every night, but when just one lobe is running the show in that, I mean, you'll go back to cooking and they go back to being completely normal. Or you go pick the kids up, totally fine. You bring a thought about this in and the right lobe jumps forward mm -hmm. and wants to, to be in charge because it's fear-based. And it goes mm -hmm. into fight and flight mode. The right side is where we trigger most of the fight and flight mode. And mm. so what happens is for all of those years, every time Christina, you know, logically would think, well, I'm, you know, she's she's a smart cookie. I mean, she's, it's probably never going to happen again. But <laughs> she, additional traumas that have happened in the night that are obviously more scary than the day because you're not prepared and you're usually not dressed and, you know, thus having her shoes by the bed. And so basically the 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 hemispheric brain integration is about separating the two out, closing one off while I do some work with one side, closing the other side off while I do some work with that side, calming them both down and then bringing them back together. But the way in which we do it, clients are like, what? And you're looking, you're just looking at a blank wall. I just yeah, it was fascinating. I mean, I was kept thinking, what is this? This is it not. It literally takes 40 minutes tops. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember how long it took, but all I know is that 20 minutes. Never thought about an earthquake again after that. Never. That's incredible. And yeah, and we quite, as I say, we let the right side have its say, and then we bring the left side in and let it have it has its say, and then I put them back together. But all you're doing is looking at a wall, and I'm stood behind you. And mm. I'm stood on one side of you for a minute and I'm talking into this ear and I'm stood on the other side and talking into this ear. And whichever eye and ear you come to, it goes in and then cross. it hits the amygdala in the back of the brain and it crosses over and comes wow. out the other side. So I have to make sure I'm standing on the right side and mm -hmm. giving the right information. Mm. Otherwise, I could exacerbate the situation. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so, Deb, I have a question for you. Actually, two, because this is so fascinating to me. I so, just, what? Yes. I well, no, we want you to. This is this is so interesting. Um, just for our listeners who are maybe not as familiar with therapy terms or haven't been to therapy themselves. So, the what you were just describing remind me what that title of that type of therapy exercise is. 
It's called hemispheric brain integration. And as I say, very few people know about it. Yeah. Uh, it's not something I learned in uni. It's a course I took with a fabulous couple. And they have a book called, uh, gosh, I'll have to get that for you, the, the Minds, the Third Eye or the Minds Eye. Ooh. And I'll find it and get the info. Yeah. It's wonderful. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Right. And I, I took their course, oh gosh, donkey's years ago, and they teach it so beautifully. And uh, I'm not sure if you even have to be a therapist to, to do You probably have to be, you know, you could be a nurse maybe or a, mm-hmm. a doctor to do it, but, uh, you know, you have to have some medical savvy. But um, but they were wonderful. And as, as I'm sat there, I think it was a four-day course, um, you know, a long eight-hour day course. Um, and it was just magical. And everything they were saying, I was doing it myself. And you could, in your mind, all of a sudden, something blows up big or something goes really tiny small. And what I, part of it is you make the anxiety go really tiny small. Mm, um, that's so amazing. And, yeah. Um, but the client's just looking at a wall. They're not, and I have them close one eye and close one ear. Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, now, you can't do this on someone virtually then, right? You have to be. In- Surprisingly, I didn't think huh. it was effective. And hmm. I would personally rather do it one-on-one. Yeah. Um, but I have done it with a few people virtually, and mm. as long as I'm loud enough, and of course they're not facing me. So, right. say for example, Liz, if it were you, you would be turned around looking at the wall. And what okay. happens, and the reason it's a blank area that you're looking at is because the images come into your mind. And it's oh. almost like, you know when you have a dream and you visualize something so real? That's yeah. what happens. And oh. so, actually physically see it manifest on the wall like wow. mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, so, so what's the difference between that and then emdr which i know is kind of widely practiced in therapy now but i still don't really understand what it is yeah it's a it's a buzzword again mm-hmm. um emdr has got its place i love it i just tend to find that the hemispheric does a bit of a quicker job Mm-hmm. Um, Dawn has done some, I practice things on her all the time, um, to get a, a reaction, see how it feels and different types of EMDR. Some people, again, what you're doing is you're separating the right and the left lobe from each other. That's what it's trying to do. And you're focusing on one and calming it down a bit and on the other one, but you're not, they don't know about the covering the eye and the ear so that you block it going into both. Even a simple thing with the hemispheric, if I'm directly looking at you and I want it to go into your left hemisphere, I'm going to angle myself that I'm looking into your right eye. Hmm. There's none of that with EMDR. So in my view, um, and sometimes with EMDR, people touch you and do some tapping. And Mm -hmm. some clients don't like that. They don't want to be touched. Right. So I can I, see that being problematic. Yeah, I so I and some people are just don't I don't mean to be rude, but like a bit of a one trick pony. They just have one way that they do it and if that works fine, you know. And of course then somebody could come come out and say, Well, I didn't have a great experience with that. Right. Um so again I use my dear Dawn here as a as a my test guinea pig for um mm-hmm. as you know, does this feel better if I'm behind you or does it feel better if I'm touching you or if there's some tapping does it feel better if you do that yourself and I'm just guiding you um 
And so I do have that different ways of doing that, but it's the same concept. You're, you're separating the two lobes and looking to calm down the one that's excessively um, ex um, exacerbated and upset. But I feel, and the results on my work have proved that the hemispheric does is like the much more upgraded version. Wow. And you know, this may sound silly, but I'm thinking, wow, this explains a lot about me and my husband because I think I live in the right <laughs> and he lives all on the left. Completely. Now, yeah. if you could integrate our brains, what I can do <laughs> is show you how to understand his and how to respond in a way that gets more of the response you're looking for. Oh, that would be fascinating. That's that's fun. Yeah. 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 Um, and fascinating is a good word. I just think it's fun. I love it. Um, <laughs> what I'm loving with the hemispheric is I'm finding many people just have one session with me and might do something else with it. And they're going, oh, my God, that's gone. Um, I've got a very high profile, wonderful um, lady in New York that uh, runs the world over there. And she was having some anxiety. That's the one where we tried to do it. We did it virtually. Very cool. oh, and it, worked. it worked. But again, mm. she switched on and she's a bit, she's um, therapy savvy. And she's actually a, um, a PhD herself in something else. Right. So she didn't have time for it not to work. So she was going <laughs> to make it work. Right. Trusted the process. That's a big part. Right. right. And I actually had another client who hadn't flown for 26 years, became absolutely, she went through menopause and got um, panicky about things. And she hadn't flown for 26 years, which really, you know, stifled their holidays and everything like that. And I did two afternoons with her. Um, I did this, um, and we did some, obviously, the counseling first, see what it was. And then we did the um, hemispheric with her. And she's a bit, she's not a very therapy person. So she was a bit, you know, dubious. And then go home, have a quiet night, do what you do. The next day I took her down to the local airport and we parked and I took her to check in and we walked through and we did just do a walkthrough scenario. Within a week later, she's flying all over the place. Wow. Two afternoons. At what stage do you recommend someone does the hemispheric therapy like when the phobia is inhibiting their life when they first notice it like when should someone that's you know, a great and a really good question I think anything therapy wise now luckily um I live in America on purpose because it's you guys are so far ahead of being accepting of this kind of thing than back in Britain um and I think it's when you're finding it affects your life when it's robbing you of peace of mind. Um, and as Christina said, at nighttime, regard, and I mean, you're not going to get anybody much smarter than Christina. You know what I mean? So if logic, if just logic were going to work, you know, uh, well, gonna work, was going to work, she'd have had it sorted. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, I would, I would read statistics. I would yeah. try to read them every night before bed. <laughs> okay, the chances of this happening are, you know, and I, I can't even explain to you the fear. I knew that there was something that was beyond me being able to, you know, fix. And I think 
What what about um, something that isn't so specific? Because like I get general anxiety that I seem to off and on get anxiety and I'll attach it to something. But when it's just not so specific as an earthquake or a fear of flying, how how do you handle that? Like if someone wants a quick fix, but you can't really pinpoint CBT is great for that. And again, what is that? CBT uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, okay. So that's more so, traditional. Yeah, and it's used in um, addiction all the time over here. Right. And I find it has its place in England. They hate it. They're frightened to death. Yeah. Um, mm. Even my professors were like, "Oh, nobody wants to go on and do that." I'm like, "Well, I do." I, yeah. really <laughs> um, I just have a very open mind, and I love to learn. I have to learn something every day, um, and I can learn that from a five-year-old. It doesn't need to be a professor, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's trying to go, I, what I do as well, I'm not your average therapist. I, I don't mean to say I'm not your average therapist. There's wonderful therapists out there. But I run my business differently. And it kind of became organically like that, I guess, because of my clientele. But I'm not the therapist that you call and you can get in a week on Thursday at 3 o'clock. Right. With me, I work worldwide. I work, and that's because a lot of my clients travel. Um, and I work, you can book a session 24 seven. So if you need a Sunday night at nine o'clock, because that's when the kids have gone to bed, then Sunday night at nine o'clock is what we book. Um, So I like how you, cause some people need help like now, you know, and when you have, I mean, I've been to traditional therapists and you go every Wednesday at three uh o'clock. Well, what if, you know, sometimes at three o'clock on Wednesday, I'm feeling pretty good and I don't feel like I really need it. But on, you know, Thursday at seven o'clock, I'm freaking out. And I love that I can contact you kind of on the fly. And you might not be able to see, talk to me that moment, but you'll say, I in three hours, I'll call you or tomorrow yep. morning or. Usually it's within an hour because if I'm already on a session, a lot of my sessions People do a lot more. And that's another thing. I don't do the 50-minute therapy hour thing. And ding, 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 now it's time to stop, go home. And now drive and concentrate on that and forget everything you've just worked on. (laughs) So I'm actually, a lot of my clients, especially in the beginning, they like to do more because they've got a lot built up, you know. And so you choose how long you want your session to be. Um, if you need it to be two hours, if you want it to be, if it's a first session, I always leave extra time for people. If it needs to be 20 minutes because you're new to this and you're a bit panicky, that's okay too. And I just charge by the minutes used. Yeah. So it's not, you use 20 minutes, but I'm charging you for an hour anyway. Right. Who does yeah. that? So a lot of my clients just put some money on their account and They'll shoot me a text and say, Deb, can we chat tonight? Or, you know, like Christine and I are going to talk after this about something that's cropped up or, you know, tomorrow or whatever. And we just look at our schedules. And again, my people are busy people. They don't need to be sat an hour driving somewhere and driving back. Right. I would much rather, even if you do see me in person, after it's done, after the session, I want you to sit quietly for 10 minutes. I don't want you jumping in the car and rushing off to your next appointment. Otherwise, you yeah. half of it. So you can call uh, me, and you, or, uh, usually people text or call me, or if there's a panic situation, and you can call me anytime. Our phones are open 24-7, absolutely. How do you sleep? 
When do you sleep? <laughs> the funny thing with me is I have rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia, and I have the most bizarre sleep pattern anyway. So it doesn't bother me if I put my alarm on because I've got a 10 o'clock session or a three in the morning session because it's in Thailand or, you know, it, I'm just lucky it just doesn't bother me. And then yeah, I'll just go down and put my head down and I'm gone. I'm boom, boom. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I've just been lucky with that. And as I said, it wasn't something I planned. It wasn't, oh, I want to be different from Joe Bloggs. It was just organically the kind of clients I work with had bit different schedules. You know, they're, as I say, they're traveling. Or um, I did a great one on a plane one time with a, with a business. Oh. That was, that was fun. Just, <laughs> um, yeah, between we had like four stops of where he had meetings that day on his plane. Um, and I did stuff with his whole team. That was a, that was a hoot. Um, so I have a question, I, another yeah, question, sorry. Deb, sorry. No, 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 you're good. I, I, sorry, I interrupted. So I was curious, um, when do you feel like hypnosis is a good tool to use for clients? Do you use that often? I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, I'm guided imagery. I'm, mm-hmm. um, everybody says to me, oh, you should take that. You should do a book. And I'm like, God, I won't want to listen to my voice. I don't know why anybody else would. <laughs> you <don't laughs> Um, I was going to say, I think we'd love to hear a book from oh you. Oh, gosh. This is why I live in America and not in Britain, because nobody, you know, it definitely works here better for sure. You're more noticeable with it, you know, so if you're good, it's a good thing. If you're bad, they remember that too. <laughs> better, better do your job, good girl. Um, hypnosis I love for um, when it's gone into your subconscious. And like you were saying Christina, what if it's a something that's a more generalized anxiety versus a specific, oh, I need to work on earthquakes. And again, we may do some guided imagery or, you know, I'd sit with you, you tell me what it, what the issue is, and then I'd put my wheels together and think, okay, what do I think will get to the core of what is the trigger for this? And hypnosis, I find, is wonderful for that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you'll work with me and we'll just do hypnosis every time. We'll do what we're going to get you the best results for at, with where you are on your journey. And right. if hypnosis, and another thing I always do when I start with a client um, is I give them a 15-minute chat free. So when they call or they book, um, a session we just chat for 15 minutes about what what it is that's going on with them what they think they want to work on and I can figure out if I think I'm the best fit for them and it's something I can help them um, and if it's not my wheelhouse that I know people that are better at it than me I'll guide you over to them and I'll give them a call and say I've got this person that I think would be you know what really do you yeah, like a spoiled brat teenager? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah I'm gonna just—he's gonna freeze when he sees me. Um, With therapy becoming, you know, get things done. I'm not, I'm not your uh, coffee and sympathy um, brigade. That's not, it's not. Um, way better. Yeah, therapy becoming like more and more common, and people are more open to it now. It seems like more than ever. Do you oh, find yeah. that people are coming to you and they want to solve like every little issue and they want 
things to be just perfect. Like, how do you address that if they're coming to you and you're like, you're fine. Like, you're just trying to be too perfect. It doesn't really happen like that. There's usually a trigger that has happened that has made them come. And I tend to work, I don't mean to sound snobby, but I tend to work with, as I say, more business people and um, people that are a bit more established in their life. So um, I'm not working with somebody who has to see me or they can go to court. You know, you've got a slap on the wrist and you better see a therapist or, you know, you're going to get 10 days in jail or something. Um, right. I that's not my clientele. Not intentionally, it just isn't just right. my clientele. So people tend to have had something that's been a trigger and they'll either go, mm, you know what, this is happening too often, or I can I'm getting too much of a feeling in my stomach. And again, a lot of people, business people, are perfectionists. How do you think how did they get to where they are? Right. You know, OCD is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where people panic with that. Now, again, I could, I would wish I could dose out some OCD to a few people, you know, yeah. <laughs> make it around a little bit because of OCD gets stuff done. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so I true. I more OCD. Oh, husband thinks I did. The answer to all of this is yes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people that I am blessed to see have lost the balance, whether yeah. it's they're working too hard and it's at the cost of the family and or they're um, oh. it's at the cost of their health or, you know, I mean, especially when I was in Newport Beach for all those years, how mm-hmm. many businessmen have fought for, my heart really went out to them. So many businessmen that have worked their tuckuses off to get everything right and married the prettiest girl and, got the beautiful kids and got the big house on, you know, in Spyglass Hill or whatever. And, you know, they, they were taught you do well in school and you go to college and you do this and you become an attorney or an accountant or whatever. And, and they're working and putting so much into that that they're becoming disassociated with their family. Yeah. We see that a lot here. All the time. All the time. And then the other thing I get with that, or they come home, a big thing, especially for business people, is they don't know how to naturally, because we're doing stuff now that's, we're evolving so quickly, quicker than our brains can adapt to it or our bodies can adapt to it. So we have to put it in place. Otherwise, it's going to take hours for it to to manifest on its own. And so people that would come, guys will come home from work, they've been in a busy work situation, high, high stress, blah, 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 you know, millions of dollars on the line. And, they, and they're still on the phone when they're on the car on the way home, and blah, 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 and, blah, blah, blah. and they walk in the house and the kids want to jump on them and the dog wants to jump on them and the wife would like to talk to him and have a cuddle and say, and he's like, oh, and he just runs in his office. Mm-hmm. Just let me de-stress. And they run into their office and usually then the drinks cabinet pours out and, you know, the, the vodka comes out and they haven't, learned or not even learned they've never been told how to disconnect from you know work joe and now i need 20 minutes to transition to home and dad and father and husband and puppy owner and to that person who is the one we all fell in love with and yeah. <laughs> that's huge and i, I 
I know all about that. In yeah. fact, my husband was that guy and now he's not. And he always says, why don't you talk to me that much anymore? I said, because <laughs> you train me not to. You could come home from work and I couldn't talk to you for half an hour, an hour. So now I just don't talk because you've got, <laughs> you know, a 15 year habit or whatever of letting him come in and, and yeah. disassemble his thoughts. And so a big one I have, and it only takes 20 minutes. It doesn't take much at all. But, and usually if somebody's 20 minutes or further away from where they live, I love the car journey home, whether they've got a driver or they drive themselves. I'm, you know, I, I don't, I treat everybody the same. You can be the chimney sweep or, you know, the president, you get the same treatment from me. There's no, there's no airs uh, and graces. Um, but that 20 minute transition home, instead of still being on a call and still being on work base, I use that all the time. Now, not everybody's 20 minutes away, but it's great. First thing you do is you get on the phone and you call your wife and you say, hi, honey, day's over. I'm on my way home. Because then it gives the people at the other side as well 20 minutes to adapt from their busyness and be ready and excited to greet the person when they come home. So many of these businessmen get home. They've got so used to telling everybody to quiet down, leave me alone, that nobody comes to even say, hi, honey, I'm glad to see you home. Right. And they get, but I find a lot of these, when they get in their mid forties, they're like, what have I done all this for? Mm -hmm. My kids don't want to spend time with me. And you know, the dog will come and say, hi. My wife doesn't even acknowledge that I've walked through the door. And I know, especially when you have teenagers. My dad used to always walk in the door and say, hello, I'm home. And all of us would be watching the TV and he'd get so mad. Oh, because in reality, it's a disrespect. If they're out there running the world, I'm big, I'm big on lots of things. But um, a big one is when your spouse or your kid or whoever comes through that door, you stop what you're doing for a minute if you can. And you go and greet them and give them a hug and say, hi, sweetie, glad to see you home. Do we have to wait till they've been in a car crash to realize that, oh, we didn't do that enough? Mm-hmm. You know? That's a really good reminder because we do get so caught up and busy and I, I've, I'm guilty of that sometimes. And Yeah. As are all of us. So well, I would in- imagine it's a particularly hard for women too that are playing that. You know, there's so many, many women now that are the breadwinner for their yeah. home. And that must be psychologically very hard for a mother to come home and probably have that same need to unwind and reaction from those who are at home waiting. You don't have to be a man. It can be a woman. And it doesn't, it's it's any. uh, In this day and age, it can be the kid who's the superstar. Right. And, you know, I love that reconnecting with a quick call or a text to say, hi, Mm -hmm. my day's over. I'm on my way back you know, and can't wait to see you all, even if it's not true, if they get that in their mind, then you can manifest it, you know, mm-hmm. and then that- also courtesy just for them to let you know, because I can't tell you how many times I'd be wondering when is he coming home yeah. for dinner or to help me with these small kids. Yeah. And I would, you know, be calling him and he'd be, anno- he'd be annoyed that I was bugging him. But if you just knew that they would let you know when they were on the way home and give you that heads up, it's like a, it's a common courtesy. Yeah. It makes such a difference. In they do. Um, 
And then, as I say, the 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 biggest thing I think is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Slowing down, getting back to basics, trying to remember why you're even with that person, even if things are not going great. I am a huge proponent of at the end of a busy day, you know, the world's out there taking its toll on us all, whether we're in traffic or doing something or, you know, there's always something. That when your family walks through that door, it's like, home and safe. Mm-hmm. My bunny's yeah. home. I call people every bunny. My bunny's yeah. home. And make them feel that it's not going to be silly and over the top, but just make them feel that, oh, gosh, I'm so glad you're home, sweetie. You can get into how was your day or do you need to decompress and all of that. But, oh, honey, I'm so glad that you're home. It's so lovely to have you home. And then at the end of the day, you lock that door and, you know, you make your home be the sanctuary that mm-hmm. you need, you know, your, your husband, your kids need, your animals need, everything, because we need to decompress. and that world's about to set on us again in the morning. Yep. Good or bad, you know, but the busyness, you know, we're not designed for the busyness. Yeah. What are some other ways that people can decompress? Um, so as I say, I love like a, a, a travel home and that can be anybody. This can be just um, a wife on her way home from doing the grocery shopping or whatever. No phones, phones go off. You know, nobody's head's gonna nobody's gonna die in two minutes if you're not on the phone with them. Um, put your favorite music on. Put something. Music is wonderful for changing your mood quickly. So if you like new artists or you've heard something or you love podcasts, of course, podcasts are wonderful these days. <laughs> um, or just not too relaxing that you're not driving safely. But if you're you know lucky to have a driver and you're in the back, by all means have. Have some guided meditation going on or call me and we'll do a session while you're on the drive home, you know, whatever you need. Um, but taking that time out, I love music. I love smells. So when you transition, especially from your day, just go in and put a little bit of either your favorite perfume or smell an orange, even smell an orange, you know, scratch an orange and smell an orange. It's come back. To basics come back to the small joys of everything animals of course you know are a win as long as they're trained I, mean, I hate when people <laughs> when you come home and it's ripped your garbage can open yeah, and feed all yeah the- yeah that's not that's relaxing <laughs> why did you put the garbage can open usually it's lack of exercise yeah, um, the garbage can is trying to say, "Hey, I don't like the food you give me." Or, "Hello, can you please notice yes. me?" I know. Um, yeah. So I was a um, an equestrian, um, a professional equestrian in my early days, which is probably why I've got rheumatoid now. My husband thinks. Um, <laughs> so I'm a big animal person, big big animal person. Um, but of course, having a snuggle with your, you know, your your puppy or your cat or you're talking to your bird or whatever it is i, I love it um, right yeah and balance balance uh mindfulness is big balance is big so again if you need a night a week where you're just with your girls you know your besties and again the lovely thing nowadays everybody with covid everybody's gotten used to doing it on you know over the computer like this or on the phone just have some time with the, the people you love. 
And yep. hubby might want to watch his game or golf in this house. He doesn't play golf, but of course we need to watch it four days a week. Um, mm -hmm. So I have all the time in the world, if I'm not with him, to go and have a nap or a bath. So I have a big bath. You Americans mm. haven't quite learned this trip yet. Fluffy <laughs> hot, fluffy bubbly baths with your mm. favourite lotions and potions. Oh my goodness, there's <laughs> not a lot in the world makes me feel better than that. <laughs> and it's it's the funny thing, it's the simple things like that, that if I ever get anybody who's crazy with their shopping, it's just not that often with me, but that they're just like a compulsive shopper or com compulsive anything, they've forgotten the small things in life. Mm -hmm. They're only getting some self-gratification from one thing instead of getting it from 20 yeah minutes. yeah so how do you pe break people of that kind of because you can't say the word all of a sudden compulsions can come in a lot of forms right? oh gosh yeah and again we look at the cause what what's behind it um and if they're not aware of what's behind it they usually it doesn't take long usually to unravel it's lovely it's like unraveling a ball of wool um, it doesn't take care. It, it could be, oh, well, that's what my mum did. And of course, so it goes back. It's usually compulsion is about soothing. Soothing. Mm -hmm. If you haven't learned, again, I'd love to give, I love to give people, I call it my Harry Potter bag. Like an, you've got an imaginary bag with every tool on the, that you could ever need in it. And you pull them out as needed. And my job is to give you the tools. And you have tools to calm yourself, to soothe yourself, to renew and reinvigorate yourself, whether you've got a whole day or if you've got five minutes. I want to give you enough things in this toolbox that if you just are frazzled and overwhelmed, you can just excuse yourself. You can even be in, if, it, if you're in work in an office, maybe in the bathroom. You can go mm -hmm. sit in your car. It's not, it's not an expense-related thing. You can do it, you can just do it anyway. And I'll teach you a, a few ways to bring down the stress on this. I'm actually, I mean, obviously I'm a counsellor and I do psychotherapy and all those things, but my company is called it's Ascot Consulting Inc. Stress Management Consulting. Mm -hmm. Because I initially did that so people were, because again, nobody's scared over here about therapy as they are in Britain, but everybody is stress so right. if they're willing to go and do some work on their stress whatever it is as opposed to oh i'm not going to go see a therapist so whether i we're doing coaching or um you know proper psychiatric therapy or whether it's psychotherapy where we have to check what meds you're you're on and i often go to the doctor with you and and I get to monitor, of course, all across that, so that's great. Um, but I want it to be inclusive for people. I want everybody to think that, um, and especially, again, somebody like Christina, who's a avid leader and smart as a whip. Taking that in, you take it in in a perspective, but just every now and again, having a session to process it, Everything you've learned and read over the every book. If there's a book out, she's read it. I don't. Mm -hmm. even, I can't even get to read everything. I just say to Christina, "What do you think about that one?" 
Yeah. <laughs> just like-minded. I'm like, okay. Well, yeah, you like. It's a good one to have. Then get it, and I'll I'll glance through it. I'm blessed to have a lot of my clients write books, and and I'm a snob. I absolutely will have this signed plus size copy. So yeah, it's um, so. But again, reading it all, it's going in in your perspective, mm-hmm. and and yeah. so again, you know, after three books then just have a session to process everything you've learned and see where that is relevant in your life. Mm-hmm. And things like, especially, with, I love doing stuff like that with Christina because she's, she's so sharp on it. And her just saying when we were talking about left brain, right brain, oh, my goodness, I'm right brain, you know, I'm right brain focused, hubby's left brain, facts, figures, deals, data. And so how, no wonder we clash at times. So you can read all the books on the planet to understand it, but if you don't know how then to turn it into, it's like have all the ingredients and I'll show you how to put the cake together. Right. So I feel like therapy is so, you know, there's obviously all these different types and you have your particular methodology that you utilize. But overall, even though our country is a little bit more accepting, there's a lot of stigmas still around you know, whether you're mentally sane, if you go to a therapist, what is a good reason to go to a therapist? Do you want to help us clarify some of those for our audience? Because maybe someone's listening and going, I don't need therapy, or I don't want to go because of what it's going to mean to my friends. What would you say to someone like that? Um, and again, as I say, it's it's more like that in Europe than it is here, um, which is mm-hmm. a very a piece of why I wasn't going to go and recommend somebody does yoga in Britain if and they said, Well, is that in the pub? Do they do that in the pub on the way home? <laughs> the way home and it just pops to the pub on the way home. And we pints and then they're they are they either okay by the time we get home or they, they're so sozzled they don't give a monkeys what everybody else <laughs> um so again thinking of it as stress management. Um mm-hmm. and I I, I over here, I don't have so many people panicking if they're seeing a therapist, but if they have to see a psych, uh, a psychiatrist, they do, because that seems mental health. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got to see a psychiatrist, because only certain psychiatrists, only psychiatrists can give you certain medications. Your regular GP is not, not qualified to, to give you certain medications. Um, so, again, I would think of it as... People think of a stigma, oh, if I'm seeing a therapist, then there must be something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. That was people, what I was trying to get at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people, my family my, will think I'm broken yeah. in some way or mm-hmm. I'm not as good as the show I want to put on to everybody. Um, and I think if you just think of it as another tool, um that even as I say, if you just want to come and process everything that's going on, just to make sense of it, just talking it out in a safe, calm environment for however long works for you, I don't care, you know, it doesn't matter to me if you're three hours or 20 minutes. Um, and it just, you've got that feedback. You've got mm-hmm. that 
Don't you think the world would be a better place if we all admitted that we're all broken and we all have issues and that we should all, we can all benefit from therapy. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has it all figured out. And if everyone would just admit that we could all be in such a better place. Yeah. In America, I see this more. People put such pressure on themselves. I know it's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. And I have to say, being in my fifties, that is one thing I'm seeing so clearly now is in my thirties and forties, I was probably trying to be perfect at everything, be the best mother. I mean, I was piling on all this stuff. Now I just don't, I don't feel that pressure anymore. I just don't. Right. Amazing. <laughs> it's really. A really funny thing. Again, the brain loves the word permission. Mm-hmm. Key words that it just loves. And mm-hmm. again, if you don't want to do therapy or you're scared to start it, just start journaling. Just start free writing and see what comes up. Um, and if some stuff comes up that you think, well, I could do with bouncing this back off somebody. Um, and, you know, people have girlfriends. That, there's a lot of people that you could do that, but do you want them knowing all your stuff? Not everybody wants everybody know. You know, it's different if you've got a bestie um, or yeah. you're lucky enough you can do it with your husband. Um, but, again, it just because you're going to seek some professional um, support with something, does I mean, I go to see a professional to make sure my tires are good. so if i'm curious about something or something's popping up too often that's not a good thing is it a me thing or is it a them thing or is it the way we interact we're not doing that right um and what can i do to be and again i'm big at coming from kindness Mm -hmm. giving yourself permission to not have to be perfect. Right. And who cares what anyone else says? Because the reality is you can't be pleased everyone and trying to please everyone is just, you know, a recipe for disaster. So if someone has an issue with you getting help, I love what you said about the tires. To me, it's like you wouldn't assume in many other places in life, like you wouldn't go and assume that you could own a business without getting some kind of experience or training you know, why would any one of us, like Christina said, with all of our past histories and hangups that we all inevitably have, think that we can just go through life without ever talking to a professional about how to do it better? To me, that's just kind of silly. came <laughs> out to learn this piece of the equation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can all learn at this table. We can all learn from each other. There's no no doubt about that. And I just happened to work in this arena. And I've specialized in it and I've learned it and I've honed it. Um, and I'm always learning and I love learning. I have to learn something new every day. Um, but if I can then give you a quick version of that, you haven't got time to to go and do 34 years of, of study to get to that. No. So, I mean, I put myself purposely around people that are good at what they do. Because mm-hmm. I can learn from them. I, I, I think therapy, what, what, what it, what it's done for me is that we all think, we all think the way we think. So you just Mm -hmm. assume that what you think is the truth, but when you're talking to a therapist and let's say, I'll give an example, like, let's just say you're complaining about 
your husband or your teenager to have a therapist say, well, I had one tell me about my teenager. Oh, he told you he hated you. Congratulations. That means that he feels safe with you. And Mm -hmm. every teenager tells their parents that they hate them. They hate them. Well, when, when your first teenager tells you that you're the worst person in the world and that they hate your guts, it is heart wrenching. And you think, oh my gosh, I am the worst mother. You don't know what to do with it. But when you Let's say you were embarrassed to tell your friend, but if your therapist says that to you, you realize, oh, this is normal. This is not me. Same with a relationship with your spouse. If they can explain to you, oh no, he's he's not um he he's telling you this because of the way he was brought up and because that's his defense mechanism. It's not because you did something wrong. Those things are so helpful and powerful. Yeah. Yes. And if you don't have, if you didn't have, you know, a friend to talk to, you didn't want to confide in your personal business with somebody, who else are you going to talk to? Who's going to be able to shed light on really what's going on? You know, so many. It is. It's opening, uh, shedding light, opening Mm -hmm. a bigger picture, allowing you to see it, giving you time and space to look at it from everybody's point of view, yeah. then translating, exactly, translating language. Yeah. Um, yeah. Learning how to respond, getting the tools. Like you said, your big, you know, your Harry Potter, your Mary, your Mary Poppins book. Yeah. Having the tools when, when you're presented with these things to be able to go, wait a second, I know how to respond in a way that's going to be productive and, and make a difference rather than from anger and fear and all the stuff that we normally just automatically go to as response mechanisms. Again, that wonderful thing of like, oh gosh, I must be the worst person in the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, No, it happens to everybody. I think the older you get, the real you realize you're not that special. Everybody deals with this. (laughs) Everybody's kid tells them they hate him. Yeah. (laughs) Funny thing, old donkeys, donkeys years ago, I think when I was in training. Um, I had this lady who was panicked. She'd gone through a whole host of horrible things in a short time. And she was petrified to go outside. She'd become agoraphobic. She was petrified to go outside in a small village in Wales, thinking what everybody would think. Her husband had left and run off with the town tramp. And, you know, all of these things are gone. And she was yeah. so panicky about what everyone would think. And I took her out one day and I took her down the high street, had to, to link arms with her. And we just I walked from one end to the other. And we got down there and I said to her, how many people had red shoes on? How many people had hats on? How many people had dogs with them? I said, so why do you think they're looking at you? Mm -hmm. If you didn't notice them and you're hyper aware and hyper, hyper sensitive, it gives a hoot. They're too busy focusing on their own stuff. And she got up courage the next week to go to the hairdressers on her own. And she called me and said, if I put my head back, I might panic. Can I call you if I feel panicky? I said, yeah. And she didn't call me because she did fine. But she said, knowing that I could made the whole difference. Um, Yeah. So I, I... would like to be somebody's little comfort in their pocket. That mm-hmm. if something crops up, I mean, oh God, 
young people through a horrible divorce situation and all sorts of things. But if I can just be their safe place to call or to reach out to or text to, um, and and it brings them a, a bit of it's okay. I'm not doing this on my own. I'm not doing this on my own. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, so okay, I got your back. That's what so many people need. So I'm not embarrassed to admit, I mean, my husband and I have gone to therapy together and it saved our marriage because you think about it, you know, we had things that we had to work through that brought us there. Like a lot of individuals come, but I'm so happy we went because honestly, sometimes you can just be cruising along too in a relationship and realize you've gotten so distant and now we recommend it to all our friends. Some of them are willing and some of them are not because it's just, we have so many more tools now and just the unity of having this third party help us together was very wonderful. And so I can see that it's like that connection point with someone just to know they're there and you can I bounce wish things off of them. I would do it much earlier on. I when agree. Having, mm-hmm. I think you know, by the time a lot of people end up in a therapist, you know, office, it's too late because it's Mm -hmm. like this last ditch effort. But if you just started when you were feeling some stress marriage, when it, you know, just raising kids together and trying to be on the same page and having someone hear both of you out and to say, Hey, well, let's try to come up with a compromise. Or, um, I think that is so huge and could really help so many people probably not end up in divorce because they didn't wait too long or one of my best friends who taught in schools those tools Mm -hmm. or as my best friend discovered she went to therapy with someone before they got married and realized she didn't want to marry the person yeah (laughs) just do you know it's not a bad thing Yeah, and I love working with couples. Obviously, I work with a lot of people on their own, but I love working with couples. And a lot, I really kudos to your hubby for for going with you on that because a lot of them are intimidated. Yeah, because they know you're going to tell us we're right and they're wrong. Right, (laughs) but you know, weirdly, that didn't happen. I was uh, wrong on a lot of fronts. (laughs) No, I mean we both were, but it's fifty fifty. That's what they discover. Now he sees it totally differently. You know. Again, seeing a woman therapist, they're like, oh, she's totally going to take the side of my girlfriend. Well, if you know or think that, it's usually because you know that you're doing some pretty shitty stuff. Right. But because I'm a woman, um, so I'm going to side with a woman. I mean, I have a client who flies in from Chicago once a month. Um, him and his girlfriend just fly in and we do a two-hour session. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and if, you, if you're a good therapist, you know how to talk to a man so that they think you're on their side, but you're really getting them to understand <laughs> what. Hey, hey, 70% of my business at times is businessmen. Is, yeah. It's a big mm-hmm. issue that they're having or a family issue or, or you know, um, going through divorce or whatever. But, you mm-hmm. know, it's about, um, as I say, I love working with couples. Um, and then often what happens is, then other family members that might be a part of it. I was working with one guy, then his girlfriend came in on it, then his mother, we realized, was a trigger for a lot of things and causing quite a few problems. So mum kind of almost got an intervention from the family and said, mom, you need to go to some of these sessions because, you know, 
we all live under the same roof and we're right. triggering each other with this stuff. So that's yeah. lovely. What has become one of my most favorite things is a lot of my clients, they, they're not with me for 10 years, you know, doing therapy. They're with me. They'll come, oh, this has cropped up. Can we work on this? Okay, something's going on with this. Okay, let's work on this. We work on it. We're done. Off they go. Mm -hmm. Text. And I, we check each other on Facebook now and again. And then when something crumbs up, they give me a call again. Oh, we're dealing with this. Can we do a few more? What's lovely is a lot of my clients now from here, because I've been here 20 years now, are kind of become friends like Christina. Or, or actually, we were friends first, and then we, we did a little bit of work. But I wouldn't really call you a client because you do a bit of sporadic no. work here and there. You know, right. you've done right. six months of stuff with me or something. Um, right. you say, oh, this has cropped up. Can we can we work on that? Yeah, it's okay. Right. Um, but what I'm loving now is some of my clients from forever ago are giving their kids my phone number. Right. And when they go off to college, they're like, you know what? If there's anything happens and it's not something you want to talk to mum and dad about, um, it's personal, it's sexual, it's whatever. There's Deb's card. We've got it covered. We'll cover the bill. You could text her and call her at any time. And that just happened with one person. And I'm like, oh, gosh, how awesome is that? And then it just started. Mm. And I never suggested it. Mm. It just You even recommended me to a friend of yours in New York like that. I did. So, I know. Um, um, and that is lovely because it lets me know that... The, if you're willing to let me talk to your child, then you feel that I'm a safe person. Mm -hmm. Well, and I also think just being, I've had my boys have all, maybe not chance, but my two older boys have been in therapy before and they don't want, they don't like to go. They don't, you know, they hem and haw and it doesn't usually last long, but I want them to know and be comfortable because I know that men are generally not comfortable doing it. I want yeah. them to, I want to normalize it for them. And I want them to know that there is somebody besides me and my husband and their best friends that they can talk to if they're not comfortable coming to us or a friend. And I want that to be a normal, normalized thing that they can turn to. Because mm -hmm. especially for our, you know, young, like teenagers and young adults, they, you know, the depression rate, suicide, all of that is so high and huge and it's scary and they need to know there's a place to turn and someone they can talk to. So, yeah. The words you've just brought up there, Christina, is normalizing. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. For everything. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Yeah, we're not the only one doing this. We're not that special with it. It's... Mm -hmm. No. And I mm -hmm. think, cause I look at my husband, who's kind of more of an old school mentality. And if it was more normalized for him, I think he'd be more open to, to it. Although he, he's open to me talking to a therapist, but I don't think he thinks he makes <laughs> it. But, um, but I want my boys, especially men, they don't talk to their friends the way that we do. You know, we, we, we talk to our girlfriends and get a lot of stuff off our chest where men don't, mm -hmm. they talk about sports and business and they don't, they don't share feelings. Yeah. Um, and balance and normalizing is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I wish we could talk forever. We're going to have to have you back on. Yes. Thank you, Deb, for coming on and sharing your how well of knowledge. You have so much As you know, we're, we're old and we know a lot. We're just old. <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, 
on a lighter note, we like to end with a question that we call Let's Get Personal. And so with the holidays coming up, uh, we want to ask you what your favorite holiday tradition is. Um, funny, it changes depending on what country I'm living in. When I, when hubby and I, I, my biggest achievement, I think, or one of my proudest achievements is I've been with my boy for 39 years. Um, and I was only 22 when I met him and he whisked me away. And uh, here I am at 60, yeah, 61, and just miss him if we're away from each other for three hours. Mm -hmm. Pathetic. Um, Much in part, I'm sure, because we haven't got kids. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Um, So when we lived in England, which is cold and rotten and, you know, rainy and horrible, which I don't do anymore, um, our favourite holiday tradition would be Christmas because we would go away. That would be when we got our break. We would take three weeks off. Nobody else in our industry did it because they were panicking about money and that. And we were like, no, if you go away and you have a good break over Christmas and you're away from the cold and why spend a fortune on Christmas trees and all of that stuff, just we would hop on a plane and we're out. And we're in Thailand usually. Um, Amazing. Or ironically... Um, Mexico, which we've never been to since we've lived here, but we would go from England to Mexico, to Cancun. <laughs> um, so that was always a lovely tradition of it was our time to relax, to reset and get ready for the upcoming year ahead. And then, you know, we'd have a get together with all the family when we were home and do prezzies and things. But it was about him and I rebooting and having time mm-hmm. together. So that was always my favorite one in England. Um, and we did the same for birthdays and that we'd scoot away. In, in England, any time you can, you get on a plane, you get out of there uh, to the sunshine. Uh, of course, yeah, we don't need to do that here. Well, thank you again for being on. Thank you to our audience. We will put all of this wonderful info in the show notes and we appreciate you tuning in. 